You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Our team here has been preparing for a new series where we are going to tackle the book of 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and Jude, starting today through the first week of September, and we want you to engage with us. We have a tool that we've used in the past. They're called the ESV Study Journals, and we would love for you to participate in this. We want to invite you in. The way this works is there is Scripture on one side, and then on the other side, It gives you opportunity to take notes. Uh, We're going to preach and we're going to put things up on the slides that you can jot down. Or maybe God drops a nugget in your heart. You're saying, man, I don't want to forget this. And really, this is the opportunity for you to capture uh, a summer of growing with the Lord. And this will become a treasure for you. And so uh, I want to encourage you. And even right now, they're on the tables outside. If you didn't grab one, grab one if you want to do it in that way. And our goal with preaching through the book of 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and then Jude is to teach you to read and to interact with the Word of God. How many know the Word of God is supreme? Can I get an amen? Amen. In the summer, it's a different pace. We understand that. And if you were to miss a week, which I would say don't, right? But there's Bible reading along the way. You can read before and or after. And uh, if you don't have a daily uh, rhythm of reading Scripture, this is a great time to start. And 1 Peter, 2 Peter, Jude is a great place to do it. And as you do, I just believe that God, he is going to give you life-changing insights uh, from Peter, from God, right to your soul, and it is going to be great. I want to say I've been reading and rereading First and Second Peter in particular, and it is great. It is going to speak to us. You're not going to want to miss a week. If you do, they will be online on Sundays or Sundays after, and you can uh, participate. And you say, well, pastor, how, what kind of pace are we going to take these? Well, we're going to take one chapter a week. One chapter a week. And so today we're going to check, cover chapter one, then next week chapter two, so on and so forth. And so for the next nine weeks, and some of you are thinking, that seems too slow. We could get through it faster. Well, yeah, I mean, you could do a summary in seven minutes. And uh, the Bible Project actually has done that. And I would encourage you to look at it. And uh, it's great. Uh, some of you are thinking, well, that's too fast to go through all of First and Second Peter and Jude in nine weeks. How are you going to do that? Well, we're going to not touch everything, but we're going to get our mind around these books, this, these letters, and uh, we believe that it's going to make a difference. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to us. We're going to grow in knowledge, but even more important, every week we are going to be called to action. And today is no exception to that. So let's get right at it. Let's talk about first, first Peter. Who was Peter? Who was Peter? He was one of the 12 disciples, first disciples to walk with Jesus, chosen. His name was not originally Peter. It was Simon. 
And Jesus changed his name to Peter, or Petros, mean, meaning the rock. He says, you're going to become a leader. And I don't know about you and what you know about Peter. We're going to get to know him through these next several weeks. But I can relate to Peter. He was a normal guy. He kind of had a big mouth. He said some stupid stuff. How many know I've said some stupid stuff? How many of you guys have said some stupid stuff? All right, I'm in the right crowd. Good. He's not real churchy, and so it's easy to read. A little different from Paul sometimes. And he is the most unlikely to write a book to be found or books to be found in the Bible. But 30 years after Jesus ascends into heaven, decades later, he writes a letter to the churches through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and it makes it into the Bible. And we get to study it. As Peter writes, and as, as we're going to study over the next several weeks, we will see a clear overall theme. And the theme of Peter, First Peter in particular, is suffering. And you're like, really? The summer? We're going to talk about suffering? Well, um, yes, we're going to. But I love that Peter doesn't take suffering and just have this blind optimism and say, hey, you're going to suffer, but it's going to be okay. No, he's realistic, but he also gives us encouragement. There is encouragement, I promise. There's hope in suffering. In fact, at the end of 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12, uh, after all the things he's saying and all the things that he's going to encourage us in, he says, stand firm in it. And it, with the idea, the, don't give up. You can make it. He's standing on the sidelines saying it will be worth it. And as we read and as we reread uh, the, the scripture over the summer, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and including Jude, I want you to read with curiosity. Find yourself in the story. What is God going to speak to you this summer. So you think about it, and uh, let's just get right at it. First and second, or first Peter uh, chapter one, verses one and two speaks to whom Peter is writing these letters to. Let's look at it. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's one of the OG, right? One of the original. It says, to those who are elect exiles. I want you to circle that or highlight that. That's an important distinction. We created this whole series. We're calling it Exiles uh, based off of uh, this, dis this distinction. It says, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, in Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, in Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Christ Jesus and for the sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. What an introduction. The thing I want you to see is who he's addressing. He's addressing exiles. Peter is writing to several churches that have been scattered throughout the region. And he calls them exiles. It's very interesting. He doesn't call them immigrants. He doesn't call them tourists. See, immigrants are those that would come uh, from a different place and create a permanent long-term home. And he's saying, no, that's not you because our home is in heaven, right? And, uh, and that's how we would relate. 
that tourists, they come, they just pass through, they never get really involved. And he's saying, no, it's not that way either. We want you to be in exile, to live, to get involved, to not stay separate, get involved in the culture. And I love that Peter addresses these churches in this way. He says, plant your life where you are. A little bit like Jeremiah, uh, when Israel had been exiled in Babylon. Uh, This is what God told the Israelites. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 through 7. says, this is what the Lord of heaven armies, the God of Israel, says to the captives who have been exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. He says, build a bunker and don't do anything, right? No. He says, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Now back to 1 Peter It's a reality check. First Peter saying, look, you've been dispersed. You've been sent out. You're not where your home was. And he doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, you are an alien. You're not from that region. And he would say the same thing to us in regards to where we live and our experience here in the United States or here in West Michigan. We are not of this world. Yes, we're passing through, but we're called to live and thrive and make an impact where God has us, even if we're being exiled. These churches, these people, were facing trouble, harassment, hardships, trials. We're going to see that throughout the book. So Peter writes, and he says, here is what you should expect. And then he gives a clear call to these elect, that means God's chosen people, exiles not in their home territory. And in the first few verses, if you look from verse 3 through verse three, through verse 12, Peter then introduces three main ideas that we will see repeated over and over throughout the rest of the five chapters. The first thing in chapter 1, verse 3, he talks about a living hope. I've got that in brackets in my Bible here. I would encourage you to do that. The idea is that we're rooted in the resurrection. Everything, any hope we have uh, is rooted in the fact that Jesus died and he rose from the grave. And we can uh, be uh, hopeful because of that. In verse 4, the key word there is inheritance. He says we should orient our lives for future glory. We don't live for today. We live for heaven. And how many know we're in the last days? We should live with eternity on our minds. And we're going to see that over and over throughout the book. And then the last thing, verses 5 through 7, we see this idea of stewarding suffering, which is the main theme throughout the book of 1 Peter. And we see that the various trials. Again, I've got that bracketed in in, in the scripture here. In fact, let's just read a few of these verses and see uh, how we can see these main themes being established. It says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Everyone say living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And to an inheritance. Everyone say inheritance. That's the idea of orienting our lives for a future glory. Something not today. It says to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept you in heaven, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. There's that idea of suffering. And uh, so that uh, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold uh, that perishes through it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, look, if it gets bad or if things get worse, it will be a better opportunity for you. There's hope in the midst of suffering. So he's addressing these exiles. He's saying, look, there's hope for today. There's hope for eternity. In the meanwhile, you may suffer a little bit. And then on page 8, if you flip just one page over, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, he drops the first idea, and he calls the people to action. Look at what it says. It says, therefore, that's an important word. He's saying, look, since you're in exile, since you have been uh, sent out, he says, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, therefore, you look at everything that has been said before that, and you say, because of that, so in, in other words, since they're in exile, he says, I'm calling you to action. He says, I wake up. You're in a battle. And by the way, don't just put your head in the sand. Be sober-minded. Do not be unaware. And when you do that, you can hope fully. I love that. Hope is a choice. Similar to the way in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, we can control our thoughts. We can hope in a similar way. Verse 8 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The same way we can think about being hopeful and hoping fully in who we are. And then First Peter, Peter says, look, I'm calling you to action. And then he gives them the first action point. And he says this. Be holy. Everyone say, be holy. First Peter chapter 1, verse 14, we'll continue to read there. It says, as obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. He says, look, you need to put old things away. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy holy. He's saying, look, you're living in a culture that's different. Be holy. Confident living, even in exile. Live 
holy lives. And now he's not talking about salvation here, right? That's given by God at the point of salvation. We become uh, the righteousness of God. Uh, we, we become holy. But Peter is talking about what happens over the rest of our lives after we give our hearts to Jesus. It's called transformational holiness. The idea that I become more and more like Christ the longer I live for him. So the longer, the better. Again, but the key is to be holy. Church, the Bible does, it absolutely has a moral position for the lives of those that call themselves Jesus followers. He has a plan to follow without apology, and it's found in his word. And it's not some moralism, this idea of list, just a list of rules. It's not legalism that's drudgery. No. Every command, every law in God's word is for our benefit. It should lead us to a place of joy. You say, how is that possible? Well, the joy is rooted in Jesus and he is our example. And that's when we continue in verse 17. It says this, And if you call on him as father, that's Jesus, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear through the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed. Who ransomed us? Jesus did. From the feudal ways inherited of your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's key. I've got that circled right here, the precious blood of Christ, like that of the lamb without blemish or spot. He was, who? That's Jesus, foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for, your, for, the, for the, the sake of you, who through him, who? Through him, Jesus, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. We see here that Jesus is our example. He was holy. It was his precious blood that was spilled out. Verse 19 is the key there. And that word precious is fun to study. It means that that cannot be replaced. And it's Jesus in his holiness that gives us the motivation for holiness, to be holy. Everyone say again, be holy. And then turn to page 10. It continues, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Not a perfect heart. It's an honest heart is kind of the idea here. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. That's chapter 1. A pure heart, an honest heart. As I was thinking about this and just sharing with some of the team, Pastor Bobby said it reminds him of a little phrase that you are, so be. You are, so be. 
The idea is that we are holy. And sometimes that word is hard to get our mind around because we would say, man, I'm inconsistent. I am not holy. How many of us have... We've, we've all, come on, put our hands up. We've all been there. Right? We're like, this doesn't describe me. But what happens when we accept Jesus, we become the righteousness of Christ, which is amazing, right? So you are righteous, so be righteous, in other words. The gift was given to us, purchased by Jesus, righteousness. That holiness is not a standard to be reached It's a reality to be lived out. You see the difference? Jesus was holy in our place. He has given given you that holiness as a gift, and now you and I live in response. One pastor gave this illustration. He says, think about it like this. It's not if you bark, you are considered to be a dog. No, it's because you're a dog that you bark. Stick with me. He continues. He says, it's not if you act holy, God will consider you holy. No. It's God has made you holy. Therefore, be holy. You are, so be, even in exile. Even in an area that is tough where there's suffering. And yes, we fight our inconsistencies. You are inconsistent. I'm inconsistent. But with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, as exiles, we feel the resistance from culture, don't we, today? What kind of things shape us? The things we watch, the things we listen to, our experiences, our schooling sometimes, just you know, our, our day-to-day. But never forget You are holy, so be holy. And it begs the question, how serious are you about your sin? Do you try to control or manage your sin? See, one day we will all stand in front of Jesus. It's a guarantee. We will all be judged. No secrets, a full account. But when we're being judged... We will be fully loved and fully covered in that moment if we have given our hearts to Jesus. But we don't just look forward to that day. We begin to try to become more and more like Jesus. So we say, Lord, give us clean hands, a pure heart. You are, so be. As we wrap up chapter 1, I just want to remind us that 1 Peter was written to the church that had been scattered. They're afraid to stand out, apparently. They were living in a culture where they were not the dominant voice. What does that sound like? Sounds like the culture we live in, doesn't it? They were not the most influential in society. And today, the church is sometimes afraid to proclaim truth. The church is afraid to be different. And I get it, especially as young people. I understand that it's hard. You want to fit in. You want to just kind of go with the flow. You don't want to be a standout, right? I get that. Even as adults, we try to just fit in with culture and try to just, just, you know, it is what it is. 
Too many of us, though, we live like the world and we say we love Jesus. We live with our boyfriend or our girlfriend and we say, oh, plus Jesus. We get drunk on the weekends, plus Jesus. We spend time on the internet uh, in, in inappropriate ways, plus Jesus. It's greed or anger, but we still love Jesus. We cheat on our taxes, plus Jesus. We party on the weekend, but it, plus Jesus. We're full of greed. These things should not be. We've got to be holy. And First Peter is all about a call to holiness. Understanding that, yes, there will be suffering. You will look different. He talks about suffering 16 times in five chapters. And it's not easy. But 1 Peter does provide hope in suffering. Church, can I just speak as your pastor, as your friend? We were not created just to fit in. We were not meant to be understood in all of our ways as believers. We are called to be separate. I really love the Vargas video. Uh, they're, they're giving testimony. Uh, Ron in that, he talks about uh, that, hey, uh, the world system would say, hey, you make this much money, you can afford this. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to live on 90% and we're going to be different. It was a call to be different. I love that. It's not if we look more like the world, then we'll fit in. No, that's not our call. And parents, we are called, those of us that are parents, we should understand that the culture we live in is going to be increasingly hostile towards our kids if they take a stand or when they take a stand. There are families in the church, I could point them out, some of them are here right now, I won't embarrass them, but that are struggling. Their kids have decided to take a stand for Jesus. Pastor Sean has told me stories. Uh, there's one young girl uh, at one of our local schools uh, that is being silenced. I've talked with another dad, the same thing was happening. And can I just say to the parents, we should come alongside that, your kids and help them. We should be an example. We should talk about these things. We should pray with our kids. We should help them because we're called to be different. And it's okay. As your pastor, we're called to live distinctly different. This world is not our home. This is not our final destination. And for those of us that have some sort of identity amnesia, you have forgotten who you are in Christ, today is a wake-up call from 1 Peter as we roll it out. Don't forget who you are. And yes, suffering can be crushing. The students that are being silenced, it is difficult. I, my heart is with you. But as we're going to see throughout the book of 1 Peter, that suffering also can deepen us. It can bring us to a place of total dependence on Jesus. And by the way, I think if Jesus were here and if he could speak directly to us, I think he would lean in and say to each and every one of us, you can do it. You are 
so be. You are holy. You are righteous. So be holy. Be righteous. Let me pray. And team, you can come. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the encouragement, the practical uh, words written by Peter. A call to action, a call right out of the gate to be different, to be holy. And Lord, it's not easy, I understand. But God, as we choose to do so, you will deepen our relationship with you. You will help us. You're not going to leave us. You're not going to forsake us. And today, for those of us that are in the room that need to repent and say, Lord, I've been living like the world, but I also have included you. I pray that we would deny the things of the world and the patterns of the world and we press in to Jesus. And this song that we're about to sing is going to help us respond in that way. And I'm just going to ask everyone to stand right where you are. And uh, I want to pray here. I kind of already started praying, and then I stopped praying. But, uh, but go ahead and stand. And I'd like us to respond to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. What is God calling you to in regards to this holiness piece? And I don't want you just to run by it. I want you to kind of sit in it. And again, this song is a song of repentance. It's drawing us close to be because we are. You are, so be. Let me pray. Lord, I pray you continue to just speak, continue to move here. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship and respond. Lord, we just thank you that even though we are living in this world, that we are not of this world. That we've been purchased, we've been bought with a price. Lord, that we are citizens of heaven. Lord, and we thank you for the price that you paid for our freedom, the price that you paid for our citizenship that is by your blood, by your stripes. That we are set apart, that we're made different, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, not just that we would follow your rules and your standards, Lord, but that we would also have your values. Lord, as we look at being people who are holy, who are citizens of heaven, help us to act and behave like people who belong to your kingdom and not of the kingdoms of this world. That, Lord, the kingdoms of this world have weapons that they fight with, but, Lord, our weapon is a cross. Help us to be people who take up our cross to follow after you. Lord, and we thank you for your word. That's sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord. That it is something that we can take into battle, Lord, but it is also something that we can do on, to take surgery on ourselves. So, Lord, strike us deep within those values, those hidden values. 
that are embedded deep in our soul, from our culture, from our upbringing. Lord, that we might be people who are known by our love, that we will be people who are known for our sacrificial nature, that we are servants of a king, that we are ambassadors of heaven, Lord. And we know that as we leave this place as chosen people, as holy people, that we are going out into a world that is burdened, that is heavy. And so, Lord, I pray that we would leave this place, even though there might be times where things are hard or where we're suffering, that we are people who will have the joy and hope. And Lord, that we will be your ambassadors to a lost, hurting, and broken world. And we know that as we leave this place, as kingdom people living in a fallen world, that you will go before us, that you will be behind us, that you will be with us every single step of the way. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this place, what you're doing in each and every one of us, what you're doing in our families, what you're doing in our workplaces, what you're doing in our community, that the work you began, you will continue doing. Lord, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. We hope that you have a great Independence Day weekend. Go in the grace of God. We will see you next Sunday and at Ferriesburg on July 4th. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.